Genesis chapter 5, and I feel like I want to say Buana Safiwe, which means praise the Lord in Swahili. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, anyway, that was just while you're finding Genesis chapter 5, by the way. Can't speak any other languages. And it's the whole of chapter 5. Um, so, uh, hope you stay with me. Right. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. After he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. After he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived a total of 895 years and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more, because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah. 
and said, He will comfort us in the labour and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Amen. Weren't here last. All was going well with my research until I started looking at Ruth's side of the family, my wife. Because you see, my father in law is one of 11 children. And all except one of them is married. And all of them just about have got children and now grandchildren and probably even now down to great-grandchildren. Even worse, though, was the fact that Ruth's grandfather, her dad's dad, was one of 16 children. And he was married to Ruth's grandma, who was one of 14 children. Not surprisingly, at this point, I started using a computer program to keep track of everybody. Incidentally, I now understand why at our wedding, we were given a card that said, May you have the patience of Job, the wisdom of Solomon, but not the children of Israel. The Bible passage before us this evening in Genesis chapter 5 might be one of the least read chapters in the Bible. On the face of it, it looks just like a list of ancestors and nothing more. This seems to be the Old Testament equivalent of what we find in the New Testament at the beginning of Matthew chapter 1 and the second half of Luke chapter 3. And if we're honest, what most of us do when we come to a list of names and genealogies in the Bible is that we skip over them. Or, if we're feeling a little bit more adventurous, we draw or we look for a family tree picture. Okay, so let's get this out of the way with a chart that shows the genealogy of Adam. As you can see, it starts with Adam then Cain and Abel. Two weeks ago, we looked at Genesis chapter 4 and saw that after Cain had murdered his brother Abel, he then went on to have further descendants. And you can see them listed on the left of the screen. In Genesis 5, we're told that Adam had further children, followed by this long account of Seth's descendants, all the way up to Noah and his three sons. That's Adam's genealogy. It's at this point that many of us, me included, would uh, tick this chapter off our reading list and move on to something else. But then we need to remember the words of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, 16 and 17, which says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness 
so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, however much we might want to slip past Genesis chapter 5 and possibly discount the chapter as just a, a family tree of weird names, I think it's right that we pause and we reflect on this passage and consider what God wants to say to us through these verses. So let's pray that God will speak. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we confess that Genesis chapter 5 is one of the more challenging chapters to understand in the Bible. And yet, this is still your holy word, which we value and cherish. So, help us now to look past the weird names and hear your voice. Take my lips and speak through them. Fill our minds with your thoughts and set our hearts on fire with your love. In Jesus' name, Amen. I confess that when I was asked to speak on Genesis chapter 5, my immediate response was, Ugh! But my second response was to congratulate the person who came up with a sermon title, A Litany of Very Old People. This title seemed even more appropriate when I looked up the word litany in the dictionary. And the word means, or can mean, a boring and tedious recital of a repetitive series. But as I studied this passage, I quickly realized this, this was not at all boring or tedious. Quite the opposite. Genesis 5 holds some wonderful truths just waiting to be uncovered. Firstly, though, we need to understand the purpose of the list. As I was reflecting on the passage, I wondered why Genesis 5 was included at all. Or, more importantly, why is it shown so early in the Bible? I mean, after all, it's the fifth chapter. Now, yes, I accept that these verses might make a, a family link between two big events. You have Adam and the Garden of Eden and Noah and the Flood. But I think there is more than this. I believe Genesis 5 highlights three things. Firstly, it highlights that human time is introduced. Human time is introduced. Look at verse 3 with me. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. This is the first time that the Bible uses the word years. This whole chapter is establishing that humanity is aging and will always age. The Hebrew word here for year refers to a measure of time as an indication of a person's age and life expectancy. This word is different from the word for day that we find in Genesis chapter 1, which just refers to a period of time. 
In Genesis 5, the word for year has time linked with a person. Or to put it another way, when God was creating the world in Genesis 1, that was God's divine time. But here, Adam and his descendants were encountering the passing of human time. This puts James chapter 4 verse 14 into a bit of focus. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Secondly, Genesis 5 highlights that natural death is experienced. Verse 5. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years and then he died. Interestingly, this is the first time that the Bible refers to death, or rather, death by natural causes. Yes, death is mentioned in the previous chapter, but that is only in the context of killing and taking a life. Here, death is the end by what God has determined. King David put it this way in Psalm 31, verse 15. My times are in your hands. And thirdly, Genesis 5 highlights that God's word is fulfilled. A couple of chapters before, in Genesis 3:19, because of his sin, God tells Adam, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So the deaths that we read about in Genesis 5, even though they are through age and natural causes, these are all a consequence of sin. God has done what he said he would do. Death is now a reality to mankind. Psalm 39, verse 5, emphasizes the brevity of life. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. There was an old proverb that said, nothing is certain but death and taxes. Well, since that proverb was written, uh, clever lawyers and accountants have avoided taxes, but no one overcomes death. As I get older, I get the impression that time time is accelerating, not getting slower. For example, it was only... Yeah, only five years ago, this very day, that we had the closing ceremony of the London Olympics. That just seems like yesterday. Twenty-five years ago, Bill Clinton was elected president, Charles and Diana were separated, and Miley Cyrus was born. The the least said about the last one, the better. Uh, Anyway, um, today as Christians... I believe we need to be even more proactive about our use of our limited time. We need to use it wisely and honoring to God. 
But there's more in this passage. Secondly, we see the promise from the list. When I was a teenager, uh, my Sunday school teacher once asked us a trick question. He said, who died first, Methuselah or Methuselah's father? Hmm. Many people know that Methuselah was the oldest man in the Bible, living 969 years. So it seems logical that Methuselah's father must have died first. Logical? Yes, but wrong. Why? Because Methuselah's father was Enoch. And Enoch, in verse 24, it says that Enoch didn't die because God took him away. But that's the end of verse 24. The beginning of that verse is far more significant. Enoch walked faithfully with God. What an amazing epitaph or a summary of someone's life. They walked faithfully with God. But that raises a question. What does it mean to walk faithfully with God? Sadly, we don't have time to look at this in detail, but allow me to make three suggestions. Firstly, walking faithfully with God means moving and keeping in the same direction as God is going. At the risk of sounding obvious, you can't walk with someone if you're taking a different path or route. Secondly, walking faithfully with God means moving and keeping in step with God. When you walk with someone, you travel at the same speed. You share the same tempo and timetable that they do. And thirdly, walking faithfully with God means moving and keeping in agreement with God. When you walk with someone... There must be harmony and union and understanding. Today, as Christians, we need to ensure that we are walking faithfully with God. We need to keep moving in the same direction that God is moving. We need to keep moving in step with God at His speed. And we need to keep moving in loving obedience of God. And when we walk faithfully with God, just like with Enoch, God promises us his loving presence along the way and his everlasting life. The purpose of the list, the promise from the list, and lastly we see the pointer in the list. In our UK culture, Names are given to children for many reasons. Sometimes it's because the name has been in the family for several generations. Or just because it sounds good. Or if you're a celebrity, you choose a name just to be different. I may have mentioned this before, but uh, some years ago I knew a Mr. and Mrs. Leah. This is a true story. A Mr. and Mrs. Leah had a little girl and they called her Crystal Shandy. I'll wait while you work that one out. Crystal chandelier. Oh, what were they thinking of? She's about, about now, she'd be getting married. Can you imagine the guy at the front? No, 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 let's not go anywhere near that. 
Whenever I see a strange name in the Bible, I remind myself that each name has a specific meaning. Often, the meaning of the name gives an insight into the person or some more information about the situation that they were in. For example, Nehemiah means consolation or repentance of the Lord. Tabitha means clear-sighted. Zerubbabel, which I think is a lovely-sounding name, Zerubbabel means a stranger at Babylon. And Jesus, the name means saviour and deliverer. In Genesis 5, we have nine names of Adam's descendants. And each name has a meaning. A meaning that comes from the Hebrew words that they are taken from. Let me briefly go through each of these names. Now, bear with me, please. There is a reason for it, honestly. So, the first name we have is Seth in verse 3. And that name means appointed. Appointed. The next name is Enosh. That's Enosh, or sometimes it's uh, uh, translated Enos. It's the same name. And uh, uh, that that name, Enosh, means mortal man. Mortal man. The next name is Kenan. A couple of meanings with that one, but I will take the one that means sorrow. It means sorrow, as in lamentation or a sad poem. The next name is Jared. Is it? No, no. It's Mahalalel, which means blessed God. The next one after Mahalalel is Jared, and that means came down, as in descending or a descent. Enoch, in verse 18, means teaching, as in trained and taught. Methuselah, it's a strange one, it means his death shall bring, as in his death shall bring judgment. His death shall bring. Is that going to work? Yes, it is. Lamech means strength or powerful and mighty. And Noah means comfort, as in rest and security. Okay, let me put these meanings, um, uh, and these meanings of names, let me take them all together and insert some joining words and some punctuation. This is God's word. God has appointed that mortal man shall sorrow, but the blessed God came down teaching that his death shall bring strength and comfort. I confess that before I studied this passage, I had never considered these names as a group, let alone that the meaning of the names might present a coherent sentence together. In fact, I was so surprised when I saw what had happened that I went back and I did a double check of the meanings of each name. And yes, I'll be happy for others to make sure that what I've shown this evening is correct. But as I was reflecting on this, this sentence of names, I noted again that it was the genealogy of Adam. Or rather, this is the genealogy of what the Apostle Paul in the New Testament calls the first Adam. 
But this list of names in Genesis 5 seems to be a wonderful pointer to the last Adam, to Jesus Christ. God has appointed that mortal man shall sorrow, but the blessed God came down teaching that his death shall bring strength and comfort. What a wonderful description of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 and 47 says, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. In other words, the first Adam was subject to sin and death. But Jesus, the last Adam, was sinless and defeated death. The first Adam returned to the dust in the ground. But Jesus, the last Adam, returned to heaven. The first Adam failed to walk faithfully with God. But Jesus, the last Adam, followed the heavenly Father in complete and wholehearted loving obedience. Jesus himself said this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. As Christians today, we need to continually remember that the God we worship is a God of strength and power, a God of comfort and security, and a God who is the giver of love. He is love, and he gives eternal life. The purpose of the list, the promise from the list, the pointer in the list. Earlier I was talking about family trees and descendants and genealogies. So let me close by using the same vocabulary and imagery that you have when you are dealing with family trees. You see, spiritually speaking, everyone is in one of two families. We are either in the family of, I'm going to do what I want to do, or we're in the family of, I'm going to do what God wants to do. There are only two options. And deep down, each of us knows which family we are in. Oh, some people try and fake what family they're in by what they say and what they do and what house they might visit. But deep down, they know which family they really belong to. When we are born, by default, each of us belongs to the I'm going to do what I want to do family. If you need proof about this, ask a parent with a toddler about the child's behavior. We all have an inbuilt desire to have our own way. Unfortunately, anyone who is part of the I'm going to do what I want to do family does not have a long-term future. When this life is done, the future of this family is death. But there's good news. A new birth certificate is available. 
This new birth certificate guarantees eternal life and an immediate transfer from the I'm going to do what I want to do family to the I'm going to do what God wants to do family. The bad news though is that this new birth certificate has a price tag. It's such a high price that no one can afford it. Actually, it's an impossible price. And not because it's money. The price requires a perfect behavior and a perfect attitude and perfect thoughts at all times. Yes, even when you're on your own. But there's good news. The price tag of this new birth certificate has been paid in full. Jesus, God's own son, has bought a new birth certificate for each one of us. And he has them ready. Jesus is offering us this new birth certificate as a free gift. No strings attached. All we have to do is accept the gift. In faith. My question is this which family are we going to choose? Do we stay in the I'm going to do what I want to do family, which has no long term future? Or are we going to accept Jesus' gift of a new birth certificate and be part of his everlasting I'm going to do what God wants to do family? How will you respond this evening? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for speaking to us through your word this evening. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus, our loving Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you have paid the price of our new birth certificate and you provide for us the gift of your salvation and eternal life. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to live our lives worthy of being members of your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.